Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good morning to you. Hoping we're finding you all in good form and that you had a lovely, lovely weekend. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And I want to just briefly look back to last Friday and to say what a terrific day out we had and morning out we had when we brought the show. We had an outside broadcast from Fields of uh, Skibbereen. We were there to celebrate the start of A Taste of West Cork Food Festival, which kicked off on Friday. And of course, it runs through for 10 days. So there would have been lots and lots of events happening over the weekend and many, many more events happening from today and right across this week and right across next uh, weekend, right up to the 16th of September. No matter where you are in West Cork, you're going to be somewhere near one of the many, many fascinating events. 265 events. It's incredible. 50 towns and villages. And let's not forget the wonderful Nine Islands are also involved. So thank you to everybody who came to see us in fields of Skibbereen, all of the people that we got to interview, all the wonderful artists and food producers and we had gorgeous sampling. We ate our way uh, through the morning. It really was great. And thanks in particular to Helen uh, Collins and to Fiona Fields. Uh, who helped organise and put the show together and it was lovely meeting up with the Australians. The Australian ambassador was a lovely, lovely gentleman and I was uh, particularly taken by the young chefs from Australia. These are the indigenous uh, Aboriginal people, Luke and Sam, they're twins. It was their first time ever out of Australia so their first time ever on a plane and what a long long journey they had and they were lovely they were just really nice nice young men and of course when we discovered their surname Burke we were thinking they have to be have of Irish ancestry and it turns out that they do it would have been a great 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 grandfather Morris Burke left uh, Cork and he, these are the first of the family to come back to Ireland as well I thought there was something very touching uh, about that so it was lovely and thank you as I say to, to everyone and I also uh, really loved Loved uh, chatting with the two boys from the RNLI in uh, Baltimore. They joined us in uh, studio because, of course, we were celebrating the centenary in advance of the centenary uh, yesterday. And a new Atlantic 85 lifeboat for Baltimore was officially named the Rita Daphne Smith. It was a special ceremony held yesterday at the North Pier in Baltimore, all part of the centenary of the celebration. And the lifeboat was placed on service earlier this year, but the official naming took place 
place yesterday and I imagine they held off so that it the official naming would be exactly 100 years to the day to the first lifeboat which was the Shamrock which arrived into the West Cork uh, village 100 years ago yesterday and the new lifeboat is the latest version of the B-Class introduced into the fleet in 2005. It's powered by two 115 horsepower engines. Uh, don't I sound like I know what I'm talking about? But it has been funded by the generous legacy from the late Rita Daphne Smith, who will be forever remembered now because there's a boat named uh, after her. So, and good luck to all who, who sail in her. And there were so many reasons to celebrate at the food festival on Friday. I mean, it was the 16th year of the Food Festival, but there was loads and loads of other things uh, to celebrate Celebrate in West Cork. 25 years of the West Cork Garden Trail, 40 years of Durris Cheese. We had those uh, with us on Friday. It's 10 years of the Macomb Buff- Buffalo. Can't believe that that's going 10 years. Also 10 years since the church restaurant reopened after being destroyed by fire in uh, Skibbereen. And there's 30 years of the Hare Island Cottage. 10 years of Skibbereen being named uh, a fair town. 25 years of Irish Yogurts, 10 years of the art festival, and the celebrations continue and continue and continue. So, uh, well done to everybody involved in the food festival. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And there's one lady I want to give a mention to because I got an email, and unfortunately, I only got the email when I came back to the studio, so I wasn't able to give her a shout out. So, I just want to say hi and good morning to Lucy Fahey, who I'm told is a big fan of the programme. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it down uh, to us in Skibbereen on. Friday but I'm told by one of her friends that she's an absolute inspiration to anyone who knows her and she has such huge determination and drive that most people could only wish for. Lucy Fahey has been from Skibreen has been described as simply amazing and we just want to publicly acknowledge Lucy Fahey and to let her know that she is simply amazing and please God and when we're next down in Skibreen you'll be able to uh, come along and let's keep the good news stories going because this has got to be and I believe it is a first of its kind for Ireland today Monday the 9th of September the Irish Sun newspaper are celebrating the very best of Ireland. They've got a special good news edition and it features a range of inspiring and inspirational stories that the aim is to give readers something to smile about. The entire edition has been given over to delivering good news, making the first of its kind in Ireland. So in the sun today, for example, there's some wonderful stories how hundreds of kind-hearted strangers sent birthday cards to a little four-year-old boy. This actually makes the front page. It's a four-year-old little boy uh, by the, do I have his name, by the name of Jason, Jason uh, Cross. He wa- he suffers from autism and he had no birthday party as his mum says he's got no friends he's no little pals to invite to a birthday party so she put out a call through the Sun newspaper would anybody consider sending him a birthday card just to kind of make up for the fact that because of his autism he's not able to make friends he's not able to have a birthday party and seemingly hundreds upon hundreds of people responded and that story is making the paper today that really is a delightful story Uh, other stories in the paper the joy of a child when their winning entry for the Bernardo's big toddle colouring competition was transformed into a full size billboard Uh, and then there's another story about how you can discover how crime riven neighbourhoods are fighting back and how innovative businesses plan to triumph post Brexit so many bad news with uh, Brexit and then the main story comes with photographs it's uh, quad parents and it is 
quadruplets, four of them. They arrived in the space of just four minutes after their parents defied fertility odds. Johnny, Leah, Grace and Amelia were born to Kira Flynn and Shane McGee in Dublin last month. And Kira, uh, who conceived with the help of hormone injections, said, we still can't believe it, our four little miracles. And there is a picture, I would say, taken just shortly after birth of mum and dad and the four little ones, Johnny, Grace, Amelia and uh, Leah. It's lovely. Yet another good news uh, story. As I say, certainly the first of its kind. I don't ever remember it being done today. So if you're buying a newspaper, keep a lookout for the sun on with all great good news stories. 1850-333-103 and the good news continues on this programme because right across this week we're celebrating the McCroom Food Festival. Now the McCroom Food Festival runs from September 19th to the 22nd and they have very kindly given us uh, prizes to give away on the programme. Monday to Friday we have a daily prize of a Folan's gift pack which is limited edition jams, marmalades and relishes and then on Friday, we have a super prize of an overnight stay for two people in the Castle Hotel in McCroom with dinner on the night and 11 taste trail tickets. So it's super prize. Great prizes all week, but building up to the big prize on Friday. Every day, we'll play an audio clip of an Irish chef doing a cooking segment with a word bleeped out and you've got to try to guess what the bleeped out word is. Now, I'll play you the piece today. Take a listen to this, but do nothing with a jet. Just listen. I'm going to begin by making the toffee sauce. So in the saucepan here, I've got 125 grams of gold and 50 grams of butter. Okay. So there's one ingredient bleeped out from the lovely Rachel Allen there, we will let you know how you can enter that competition later on on the programme and I will play it again in case you didn't catch it first time around and it's to celebrate the McCroom Food uh, Festival and the 2019 festival I'm told is a fun filled day for all of the family and this key it's a key culinary weekend in the diary of very serious foodies we'll find out more about that coming closer to the actual festival itself now on the programme today Mallow Bridge <laughs> we yet again will discuss Mallow Bridge. The northbound lane of Mallow Bridge has been closed now for the entire month of August for the, uh, the last week, was it the last two weeks, only the last week in July and here we are at the 9th of September and has the northbound lane of the Mallow Bridge reopened? No it hasn't. We're going to get the very latest on the programme today. It has been frustrating so many people and it's people who don't even need to come anywhere near Mallow Town but need to go the, the bypass and on to the main roundabout which is the crossroads of Munster people in the evening time in particular and I imagine the morning even though we seem to be getting the bulk of the complaints at evening time and I suppose people are more frustrated when they're heading home from work because they're tired and people are getting caught in long long traffic delays and people were kind of putting up up with it thinking oh by the end of August it'll be all done and dusted it'll certainly be done in plenty of time for the children going back to school for some they are two weeks back at school and the traffic delays continue so we're going to get the very latest from the council today and we keep our fingers crossed that is going to get sorted sooner rather than later we're also going to speak with a family from Nakraha 
who have set up a GoFundMe page to try to cover the cost of a hip replacement operation for a member of the family. Now, there's frustration on behalf of a family watching somebody in, I imagine, excruciating pain, but also, I'm believed to have been told if this operation doesn't occur and quickly, this gentleman could end up in a wheelchair and nobody, but nobody wants that, the individual themselves and certainly neither do the family members. So they've decided we'll do something about it, we'll be proactive and they've set up a GoFundMe page. So we'll get the very latest on that. We are also then at about quarter past 11 today going to offer advice on vaccines and in particular the HPV vaccine. And this was kicked off because of a mother who contacted us last week who has discovered her son who's just going into first year is going to be one of the first boys to be offered the HPV vaccine. We've been giving it to girls for almost 10 years now. Boys have been included because it's proven that uh, boys can also pick up cancers from the HPV virus. So they also need to be protected. But there's a lot of myths and lies and untruths about vaccines, but in particular about the HPV vaccine. And therefore, when you try, when you need to get the information, and you know, I, I say to all parents when it comes to vaccinations, you know, educate yourself, find out what you need to know, particularly if you are nervous about it. And some people are nervous about giving vaccines, but it's where you go, what sources you actually go to for the information is important. And actually, coincidentally, that we're talking about that today. The Health Minister, Simon Harris, I read in today's papers, has written to social media uh, giants um, to warning them over the misleading and damaging information about vaccines. And that's ahead of a campaign this week to promote immunisation. Now, that's not just HPV. They're promoting a whole host of different uh, different immunisations. And uh, Simon Harris is calling on internet company bosses. He's actually called them into a meeting to decide how to combat the spread of misinformation about vaccinations. And that's where you've got to be so, so careful. That's why I always say to people, when I mentioned this last week, when we got the initial email in from the mother, I was saying, you know, go to Go, go to people in the know, go to people you trust. The Irish Cancer Society have a really, really good information piece on vaccination, but particularly on the HPV vaccination. That would be my first port to call. And when I looked at that, all of the questions I certainly had were answered there. They're the kind of sites I would be sending people to. So we'll discuss that on the programme this morning. And actually then, uh, I also have had an email in this morning about the MMR. Somebody worried about the MMR. So we, the doctor who comes on this morning will try to put that question about the MMR uh, as well. And then after half past 11 today about quarter to 12 we'll be previewing a conference on depression and bipolar disorder this has been organised by AWARE now it's been organised uh, for for Dublin for next month so that's why we're giving people enough notice if you want to go along it's a free conference but I'm particularly interested to find out who they're pitching it at who they hope would they would like to see go along? Is it for people who are suffering with depression? Is it for people who care for people with depression? So we'll find out more about that on the programme today. And it's Monday. That means Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic will join us answering all of your nutritional questions you've got throughout the morning to get your questions in for Annalise, please. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
103. Work currently underway on Mallow Bridge has meant the closure of the northbound lane of traffic, which normally carries thousands of vehicles every day. It was announced at the end of July that the northbound lane would be closed for all of August to facilitate the works of installing the new boardwalk, but the lane would be reopened in time for the new school year. Well, that didn't happen. Just to find out when the bridge is going to be reopened, local-based uh, Fianna Fáil councillor Gorod Murphy uh, joins me. Good morning, Chica Rode. Uh, you're welcome. Now, we got a new date of September 9th, which is today. And I know last week people were saying, is that going to be the morning of September 9th, the evening of September 9th? But September 9th has come and the bridge hasn't reopened. Yeah, and um, look, unfortunately, I was listening to your earlier segment about good news. Unfortunately, it's bad news here. Um, well, not good news anyway. A further three days of uh, delay. The reason given was... Um, I suppose continuing issues with the location or well I suppose the relocation of services and also the removal of extensive quantities of poor quality fill under the existing footpath um, do you know it's disappointing obviously for the residents in uh, businesses in the town I had a motion at our municipal district meeting on Friday and just expressing the importance that you know the bridge fully reopens um, as soon as possible and, well, I suppose in response to that, like the council are committing to opening it as soon as they can, um, you know, I know that that's probably little consolation to the local residents, but the, you know, the, I suppose what, the, there are positives as well, and the, the positive is hopefully that the boardwalk will be a wonderful resource for the town once it is. Completed. Yeah, um, and when it's completed and uh, people are using the boardwalk and traffic is flowing smoothly, everyone would forget uh, about the inconvenience uh, that's there. But at the moment, the inconvenience is there and people are getting so frustrated. Growth. So are we now saying 100% for definite the bridge will reopen on Monday morning or Thursday morning? Uh, sorry. Thursday. I'm actually not sure exactly when on Thursday. I think it's meant to be Thursday morning, yeah. Um, I didn't actually clarify but I assumed that it was Monday morning I, I, I think that's what they're aiming for Thursday morning Thur- oh, sorry, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday the 12th yeah. okay when does the boardwalk get installed the boardwalk itself won't be installed until um, I understand anyway until after Thursday um, but that's that, that will be done at night I'll certainly be pushing 100% for that to be done at night particularly given the disruption that residents have faced this month. Just in relation to Thursday, it's very important that it does actually open on Thursday. And I think anyone will, will, you know, you talked about it, will say that. Um, In relation to that, I've been on to officials and they have said a senior executive engineer was out to oversee the works on Friday. The services have been relocated now. So that major, that's probably one of the biggest parts of what they actually had to do. So what's left really is just to make it safe for traffic and pedestrians and install a temporary footpath, um, which should, you know, they are... Now, installing a temporary footpath was never part of the plan. Well, sorry, uh, that's probably a poorly phrased... um, uh, What I meant was making it just putting a... I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not. But a it's it, it, yeah, but it, it, but you're right. They will have to put in a temporary footpath. I mean, they can't reopen yeah. it to traffic without oh, yeah. allowing pedestrians. So some, and I was looking at it at the weekend. It does look like some kind of a temporary footpath. 
has gone in or yeah, will be put in? There will be pedestrian access. Yeah. So whatever way it's installing some sort of a temporary roof for the pedestrian, I'm not sure what the technical term for but in any case, making it safe for north and southbound traffic and pedestrians. So essentially opening it up and they they have ensured me that like the officials who have overseen the contractor and they were out in sight on Friday. I know the contractor was working on Saturday as well. So they have uh, assured me they're confident it will open on Thursday. I'd be very disappointed if it's not, obviously. But, you know... So will a whole host of other people. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and I suppose as councillors, it's up to us to convey that back to the officials. And I did both publicly with my motion at the municipal district there on Friday and also in private to officials behind the scenes as well. And it's also very important, I think, when we get, you know, definitely when I get information about this boardwalk, every time so far I've gotten an update on it, I've posted it on my social media within the hour of getting the update. Yeah, yeah. And, And in fairness, you have. And I was looking at some of the comments and I felt like saying to people, don't shoot the messenger. You're only passing on the information that you're getting, but you can even even in the comments on your Facebook page, you could sense the frustration of people. But have you any idea um, time wise, Grold, are we weeks, days or months away from having the boardwalk put in? It would be months before the whole thing is open, but that was always the plan. It was always going to take several months for the work to be done. To be honest, I don't really mind that myself as long as it's done at night afterwards and there's minimum disruption. Do you know? Like, I mean, if it's done at night, nobody's going to complain. Well, I certainly won't anyway, do you know, because, like, it is a very worthwhile project and I do believe that it will significantly improve traffic flow in the town centre. I've said before, it's not a silver bullet. It won't solve everything, but it should sure it should hopefully alleviate things and also be a great resource for the people of the town. Another thing, an element of the boardwalk as well is that the monument will be moved, you know, to a more prominent location really and better accessibility for pedestrians as well as vehicles. Um the, and mon- the monument happens. on the bridge. On the bridge, yeah, exactly. okay. And there'll be its own little kind of alcove next to the boardwalk. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, and, you know, we'll be liaising with officials to try and, you know, get that done over the next couple of um, couple of months. And when the work is finished, there will be three lanes of traffic on the bridge, isn't it? Uh, I think, yeah, kind of. There'll be, it will, there'll be two lanes going either way. If, it's kind of hard to explain now. So at, the exit to both sides there'll be two lanes to Okay, okay, alright but the, the, the footpath gets removed to make the bridge wider for traffic and then yep. people will use the boardwalk um, for for to pedestrian for traffic um, and, and, oh, and bicycles as well, okay but you're saying the boardwalk we're, we're months away from the boardwalk being installed Yes, and that was always Was it? Okay, alright, oh, I didn't, yeah, didn't realise okay. They're hoping maybe by Christmas that kind of thing, but it was always going to take a number of months but it was anticipated the actual disruption thankfully was only going to be for last month but unfortunately it's built into this one now Okay, and a couple of people asking with the, with the contractor, are there any penalties for the contractor for the delays on this phase of the works? I actually don't know the answer to that I would assume no, but I don't know Okay. All right, listen, we'll let you go. I know you're you're heading to a council meeting this morning, so we appreciate you taking time uh, to talk to us there, Grold. Thank you for that. Thanks a million. Uh, that is Councillor Grold Murphy and our thanks to Grold uh, for keeping us updated as well. And I know we did send an email 
last week, I think it was actually Thursday of last week, we sent an email because we wanted to find out was the bridge going to open today as we had been led to believe and in fairness they did get back to us I think this email would have come in to us on Friday when we were out of the office so we didn't uh, we, we didn't get to it and, and Cork County Council in that uh, said the contractors has committed considerable resources to the project as well as weekend working and 12 hour shifts to try and achieve opening of the bridge to two way traffic for Monday the 9th which is today however they t- told us last Friday, it will not be possible to open the bridge to two-way traffic on the 9th of September for further, as further difficulties with the diversion of services as well as the need for removal of extensive quantities of poor quality fill under the existing footbridge has caused further delays to the programme and the bridge now they're hoping will reopen to two-way traffic. Now it says here this is from Cork County Council executives on Thursday morning Rush hour traffic Thursday morning will it be open? We'll try and get exact confirmation on that. But they're they're now saying it will reopen. Not that it's likely they're saying it will. So hopefully everything going uh, according to plan there. Isn't that a worry that there was a poor quality fill under the existing footpath? Was that just something because of the age of it? Or was it what what materials were actually used when that existing footpath, I don't know when that existing footpath went in? But it's poor quality, Phil. Anyway, will we we take it as a mixed bag? It's not good news that the bridge doesn't open today, but the good news is that it will open on uh, Thursday. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text our our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I have had a WhatsApp in from Jerry, and I don't know how many other parents are concerned about this as well to say Hi Patricia, the latest news on the junior certificate results debacle is the word Jerry uses in that the junior cert results will now not be out until Friday the 4th of October but the organisers of the junior certificate night out has said they cannot get the Friday night for the venue only the Thursday night which is the day before the results are due out so parents so students are now expected to celebrate without any results at all it is it is now required that the Minister for Education steps in and allows the results to be issued on Thursday so says uh, Jerry. so I checked to see what Jerry was talking about and Jerry's talking about what is certainly for Cork City and parts of the county I don't know if every area of the county go into the event but it's Cork City Hall for a number of years they've been organising this it's the Junior Certificate Night Out and it's normally done on the night of the results and it is scheduled for the Thursday the night before the results but the tickets are I can tell you now the tickets are completely uh, sold out. You can't get uh, tickets for the event. But uh, Jerry is right. It is going ahead on the Thursday night. I'm just looking here. Sold out, course official. Um, oh, sorry. that I'm just looking now. That sold out one, I think, was the end of the exams because it's for the 24th of the 6th. It was for the 24th of uh, June. The one for the results one is... It's, John Paul says it's sold out as well. Anyway, it's going ahead on the Thursday. It's going ahead. Jerry's point is that it's going ahead on the night before the exam results rather than the night of the results itself. Um, 
And Jerry's not happy about it. Now, I don't know whether the Minister for Education can do anything or not, but I, I can see the point Jerry is making. If the results are going to be issued on a Friday, they'll surely have them ready for the Thursday. Could they not issue them on the Thursday itself? Um, at the Thursday itself? But do we go to those lengths to actually change the day the results are coming out to facilitate, which is, is only one event. I mean, there'll be many events held all over the country. I don't know if every other area around the country are having similar problems. I mean, I can see straight away what the Minister for Education will say. If I do that for Cork, won't Dublin be up in arms if Dublin have already got their junior cert results night arranged for the Friday? Anyway, I don't know how other parents are feeling about that because I'm assuming it's only the parents of junior cert students that are going to be a bit discommoded by it. 1850-333-103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Now, last week, a family from Nakraha decided to set up a GoFundMe page to cover the cost of an urgent hip operation for Patrick Mulcahy. His daughter Mary joins me with more on the story. Good morning to Mary. Good morning Patricia. Uh, How are you? Well, I'm I'm very well and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now firstly, does your dad prefer to be referred to as Patsy or is he an official Patrick? Well, he's Patrick, but people around the area here call him Patsy. Okay, so everyone will know him as Patsy. They know exactly who we're we're talking about. Okay, take me back. When did your your wonderful dad start to have hip pain? When did he notice something was wrong with the old hip? Yeah, so back in two years ago, he was saying, God, I've half a pain on my right hip. And he kept saying it. And I said, why don't you go to the doctor and stop telling us about it? And he said, I know it's only arthritis, it's grand. So, anyway, I was saying, this is more than that right is in my mind. So, the next thing I know, it got really worse and worse. And he said, eventually, he gave in. He said, yeah, I must go to the doctor. So, off he went, anyway, down to the GP, made an appointment. And he went in and the doctor said, look, Pat, you have to go up and get an x-ray. So, off we went off to Cork University Hospital and got the x-ray done and they said, We've actually bad news, Pat. He said the hip is completely, utterly um, decayed. So you'll be on a waiting list, and he said it could take about three to four years. So he said you need to be soon, um, seen sooner. So anyway, the other option was to go private because it was so bad. That was the only option. They were like, look, you can wait, but unfortunately you, you are heading for a wheelchair the way things are going. So, anyway, it, it was just a bombshell. So, we went down, anyway, to um, Whitfield Clinic down in Waterford. Now, he's in constant, constant pain. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, like, it's just seeing a loved one in so much pain is just horrific. Yeah, horrific. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's and when not. you get to the stage where a doctor is looking at an x-ray and saying that hip is decayed, yeah. you can just imagine the pain your dad... It's terrible. He must, he must be one of those people who's got a great threshold for pain that Absolutely. he bore it so well for so long. Absolutely. Like, and my dad is a very quiet man. Um, like, he'd bottle things up and you'd know, like, he'd be kind of hiding it. 
Yeah. But deep down, he's in chronic pain. And it's just terrible now, Patricia, because the family day out, it's just, there's no family day out. He can't travel in the car so long. It's just chronic. And he'd be roaring, literally in the car, roaring in pain. Are painkillers helping in no, any... No, they're not. Ah. No, not at this stage. Um, he was on... See, my dad actually has very bad complications as well with his health problems. So, such as leaf acne, he has diabetes, and he has angina for his heart as well. Oh, God help So, us. he God was on morphine. They take him off the morphine because it was weakening the heart. Um, but that was helping for a while, but then eventually it was just getting worse and worse. Now, um, the thing about it is my dad in the last, well, you could say 13 weeks now, we're going on the 13 week, you could say, and he has lost three stones. Now, he is eating, but it's just the pain is so bad. It's just, and he's sweating with us. It. It's terrible. He's lying on the floor. That's his only position that he can actually Trying get to get relief. Yeah. And, and you know the killing part, you know, when you talk about, you know, he's got the angina and he's got the diabetes. Yes. Uh, I mean, a lot of those conditions could be helped by him being more active and getting out for long walks. and Exactly. And he can't do any of those no. things with the way no. his hip is. No. Like standing in the one spot now, if he's standing too long, he's in, oh, he'd be roaring. If he lies down, he's not too bad. Lying down is actually his good position. Mm. Um, but other than that, like, and he's standing, but sitting down is his worst position and like he could sit down for not even a half second and he's roaring like he's roaring is it only is it only the one hip it's only the one hip at the moment anyway yeah please god that the other one don't go but at the moment yeah it's only the one hip okay so so you get him a private appointment in the Whitfield clinic and and obviously he doesn't have private health insurance no No. so you get you you get him an appointment there and they take him in and they take a look and and they say what they say so basically they said yeah they said the same thing the hip is completely decayed and passed if you don't have the money in we can do the operation on the 22nd of October but if the money is not there you can't get it done unfortunately they said, the way you are going, you are heading for a wheelchair. There is no ways to ways about it. But then I was saying here the other night with my family, I said, but Dad can't sit in a wheelchair. He can't sit down. So how is he going to sit in a wheelchair? Unless it's going to be a one that you fall back like a buggy. You know? Like he'll, he'll, end buggy. Up, he'll, he'll end up bedbound. He will. And it's terrible. And it's absolutely breaking my heart. My heart, Patricia. I know. I know it's it's and 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 your mother it must be finding it dreadfully hard as well. Terrible. Yeah, my mom is finding it hard but we're trying to keep the bright side out. I know. You know. And for for you to go public like this and to have to set up a GoFundMe page, I take it your dad would strike me as being of that generation. He's probably hating all oh, of this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's He's actually, he was giving out to me the other night. He was saying, why did you do this? But then I said, what option did we have? We went into the bank. We asked for a loan. Because he's at that age, he won't get a loan because he's too old. My dad is 68. But they're 68 is not old. My God, he's got a lot of years of, of living uh, left. OK, so Whitfield say, how much is the operation? So basically, they, they said to us, with all his complications, so they're just putting it out there that they said, first of all, it would be 15. But they said with his complications, he could be longer inside. The longer he's inside, it increases. The money increases. So I said um, to 
to the consultant, I said, how do, you, how do you mean that will increase? And he said, basically, he said, all the complications which your father has, he said he could be longer. And as well as that, you have to pay for physio. So it will be up and down to Waterford, paying for physio, um, getting physio for him after the operation, which is approximately, maximum is 25000 which is a lot of money. Okay, so that's the target. That's, that's the go. The target, that's the go for yeah. me time. Now, the other thing I thought of over the weekend when I, when I was thinking about your your, your poor dad, yeah. did you look into going to Belfast to have the operation no, done? That was on the list on the gins. All right, we kind of we you know we sat down as a family. We were looking into it, um, but then there was kind of things saying would that cost more and. Being up in Belfast, my dad is a type of man he hates, even though it's travelling down to Waterford is a nightmare at the moment for him. And um, he kind of was like ruling out Belfast, to be honest. Which, uh, just just too far away too from? Far away, too far yeah. away. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, All right, so you've launched the GoFundMe page. We have page. launched the GoFundMe. So it's www.gofundme.ie and it's on Facebook as well. So it's under Patsy's Urgent Hip Replacement. Okay. Um, it is urgent, Patricia. I won't say it isn't. You know, it is urgent. And we're only, you know, and in fairness to Cays County, they have offered to help us yeah. by running a charity event on the 5th of October 2019. Okay. Um, so as a family, as us here, um, we're very grateful and for their generosity. See, I think that's what you need to do. I think you need to try and get people to come on board and, and get a few, yeah. you know, good few decent fundraisers under your belt yeah. and you'll raise that 25,000 in no time at all. Please God and as well as that I just want to thank the ICA as well in Nokraha. Yeah. and they're holding on the 20th of September they're holding um, a coffee morning. Now the coffee morning is actually going over so it's going from 9 o'clock till 3 o'clock. It's a coffee day. A coffee day, yeah. <laughs> and the ICA ladies are the best women to bake. They are, in fairness. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll have wonderful... That. And where's that on in Knockraha? That's the Knockraha Community Commu- um, Centre, Community yeah. Centre. And the Cades County, is that a kind of a music night it out? It is indeed. So, on- um, basically, we have um, Teddy and Cahalbarry and admission on the night is €10 euro, and there'll be a raffle on the night. So, there'll be €2 euro for one strip and 3 for a fiver. Okay, somebody else is saying has Patsy applied under the National Treatment Purchase Fund? If you're waiting a certain period of time, you can get it done locally in in a private hospital. You you can actually as well, but I don't think I, I don't know if you need to be called for that. Have you looked at that, the National Treatment Purchase Fund? I haven't, to be honest, no. because I never actually heard of GoFundMe until our great friend um, Audrey O'Brien said it to us, and she said, "Why don't you try GoFundMe?" I never heard of GoFundMe, to be honest with you. Um, and the next thing I said, geez, this could be a way of doing it. All right. So I did. I set it up. And in fairness, there is money after going in already. And I appreciate that from people that have put money into us already. So um, if your listeners are out there listening today, I just want to thank them as well for helping Okay, but the, but the National National Treatment Purchase Fund, the okay. HSE would pay Whitfield. Right. I, Do you know what I mean? The, 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 the National Treatment, um, I, I don't have it right here in front of me now, but the National Treatment Payment Fund, I don't know, is, is that the correct title of it, John Paul? Because there's so many of those different schemes. It's a scheme whereby I know we've had people had hip operations done, but they have been on the waiting list for a certain period of time. Okay. How long How long is your dad on the list? Oh, um, I don't 
to be honest. Uh, okay. Have you have you gone to any of your local TDs? We, you know, we have. And to be honest, we're just blue in the face and my dad has given up hope. We actually sent in letters after letters into the, you know, for a milk card and he's been turned down. My dad had to take early retirement and that was because he got sleep acne and he got the the angina and then he got the diabetes and he took early retirement from the Cork County Council. And at the time he was, you know, like anyone, he was paying his pension fees, you know. Yeah. And the next thing when he went for it, he was 10 euro over the threshold. Uh, you know, yeah, and it's know. a disgrace. Where would 10 euro get you, if you don't mind me asking? I know, and, we've, know, and we've seen people lose out on a medical card, unfortunately, uh, because of that. Listen, we'll get you the details of the National Treatment Purchase Fund. I certainly think it's worth looking into. Now, Perfect. he may, not, he may not qualify, but he just may qualify. And there are loads. And actually, the Whitfield Clinic is on the list of private hospitals that are included in the existing panel for the National Treatment uh, Patient Fund. So we'll get that information to you. And we'll keep in contact with you, Mari. And in the meantime, time you keep in contact with us any, I will, of course. any fundraising so for having us on. that's our pleasure and any other fundraising events that are coming up or if anybody wants to organise one let us know and we'll Brilliant. certainly plug it and, and try to get as many people as possible pass Thanks. on our best wishes to your dad and to your mum as well it's, it's tough Thanks on everyone Thanks for joining us bye 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 that is uh, Mary Mulcahy uh, daughter of Patsy Mulcahy as they attempt to raise the money for Patsy to get his new hip You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed some of your thoughts and comments coming in. Uh, firstly, by text 0862103103 on the junior certificate results. And this was kicked off by Jerry, who I'm assuming is a parent of a junior certificate uh, student. Uh, we know that the results have been delayed by two weeks and there is a big event going on in the city. They hold it every year to celebrate the junior cert results night. It's on in City Hall and it's now scheduled for Thursday the 3rd of October when the junior cert results are out on Friday the 4th of October and the powers that be who organised the event were not able to get City Hall there must be something else booked in for the Friday night that goes ahead on the Thursday and it's completely sold out by the way in case anybody's looking for tickets tickets that's been sold out well as soon as those tickets go on sale they sell out but Jerry as a parent is just saying come on you're asking children to celebrate the night before the results have come out and he's making the point that could the Minister for Education not step in and issue the results if the results are ready for Friday morning then surely they must be ready for Thursday morning when another texter says I don't understand why the junior results could not have been issued this week if there was rechecks, they could have extended the date as to when they would be rechecks. But every pupil shouldn't have to wait. It all it only says that the junior search doesn't matter. But you see, the reason for the delay is not to do with rechecks on the junior certificate result. It is to do with the, what they call the reconfiguration of this year's leaving certificate examinations. Those changes were introduced to speed up procedures for students who are appealing the results of their Leaving Cert exam and they got a huge number of Leaving Cert students decided to go for recheck and because of that priority was put on the work of rechecking the Leaving Cert exams. So obviously the people marking were told leave the Junior Cert ones to one side 
focus on the Leaving Cert results and because of that this year's junior certificate results are going to be two weeks later than usual. I don't know if this is going to be the norm for every year or not but we now know the new date is the 4th of October but it's not to do with rechecks on the junior cert results it's to do with the rechecking of the leaving certs but it is putting students certainly in the Cork area in a bit of a pickle they'll celebrate the night before the results but as I say I don't think the Minister for Education can get involved in this because if he did what about people in Dublin in Galway in Waterford in Kerry who have organised events and did manage to get a venue for the Friday night they, they can't do it just for our Cork Junior Certificate uh, students on the work on the boardwalk in Mallow Mike and Bantry says Patricia will the toilets on Mallow Bridge be done up when I was living in Blackwater Drive I used to go to school in St Patrick's which is up by the Mart well, the march is gone, but St. Patrick's Boys National School is still there. But, but, says Mike, I don't know what year this was. Even then, he said, those toilets at the bridge were filthy. Mike, I can tell you, those toilets haven't been in operation for many, many years and they're now gone. With the works that's going on on the bridge to install the board, boardwalk, one of the things they did was they demolished the toilets. They are gone, but they haven't been in use for quite some time. Uh, other calls in. Kitty in Ballyclaw says, Councillor Gerald Murphy said that the bridge will reopen on Thursday. But he didn't say which month. I can't see the bridge reopening on Thursday. Oh God, Kitty, don't say that. We're all keeping our fingers crossed and hoping that the bridge will reopen on uh, Thursday. But uh, Kitty, anyway, doesn't seem very hopeful. And Pat in Mallow thinks the whole boardwalk has just been a great big waste of money. They're spending millions on on a project that Pat feels isn't needed and he reckons there's roads in dis- disrepair in Mallow where that money could have been well spent. He cites areas around the Annabella roundabout, the Park Road and the St Joseph's Road. Some of some areas of those roads are in really bad disrepair and could do with some work. They're wasting money on the board walk. That's from Pat in Mallow. And while we're on about road works and things happening on, on the roads, can I remind listeners in the Bandon area that a meeting on Bandon's traffic situation is taking place tonight, 7 o'clock in the Copper Grove on Kilbrogan Hill. We discussed this on the programme last week and I promised that I would remind listeners that that public meeting is happening tonight if you want to go along and have your say. Copper Grove, Kilbrogan Hill in Bandon and it starts at 7 o'clock. number of people, I have to say, having huge sympathy for that gentleman we spoke about, uh, Patsy, who sounds in the most incredible pain listening to um, Maura, his daughter, talk. Just difficult, isn't it? Difficult to watch a man who, you know, in his late 60s, I, I wouldn't call that an old man, not certainly in today's standards. He's a lot of living left to do. But the man is absolutely in agony. And for the family to watch that, so they've gone down the route of the GoFundMe page, trying to raise the money themselves. And we've sent on the links for the National Treatment Purchase Fund. It would be great. It would be absolutely great if they could get it done under that because that would take it would be paid for and uh, Patsy hopefully could get that operation I don't know if he would get that date that the hospital is saying they can do it on the 22nd of October but at least the cost of it would be covered but the man is in agony and something needs to be done uh, for him a lot of people saying it's just shocking that a family have to go to this length but well done to the family for going to this length of you know trying to look after their, their loved one but then a couple of people have pointed out that TD's wages have jumped to over €96,000 per year that was following a pay rise that kicked in at the weekend. Now there was 
there was talks at this last week. I just don't think we got around to it. I did see a couple of people comment uh, on it on the programme last week, but the actual increase only kicked in at the weekend. TDs were uh, received 1.75% pay increase. Now, 1.75 in itself doesn't sound a lot, but when you're on a high enough wage packet, 1.75 is a lot. And they, in total, I think it's 1,600 euro a year is what it'll work out at uh, and the, the, that increase will kick in on their next paycheck, which I'm assuming will be at the end of September. So it brings their pay without expenses. This is their standard pay. Now, they will get more if they're junior ministers and if they're on committees, etc. But the standard pay for a TD, for a backbench TD, it goes to €96,000. And people are saying that's a hard pill to swallow. Even just the increase is a hard pill to swallow when you're listening to stories like poor Patsy waiting on his hip operation. 1850-333-103 And Betty was on when I was talking about good news stories and the good news stories at the Sun newspaper. They've done a special edition today and they're just saying, you know, summer is over, bit of doom and gloom out there and everyone's talking about Brexit and it's all very negative. So they decided to do something about it and we think it's the first time ever an Irish newspaper has done it. So they have a special edition with good news stories and there's some wonderful stories in it. And one of the stories I happened to mention was to do with a little boy from Dublin who's got autism and he doesn't have any friends and his mother put out an appeal for his fourth birthday with people sending birthday cards and they're picking up in the Sun newspaper today talking about this they describe him as a lonely little boy and the amount of cards and it seems he got presents as well so Betty was on saying Patricia what's the address for that four year old little boy with the autism because obviously Betty would love to send a card well I can the reason it's been picked up on today but his birthday's actually passed and his mother has just come out I suppose by way of saying thank you and wants to highlight the generosity and the kindness of uh, people. Jackson Coss is the little boy's name. He faced the prospect of a lonely fourth birthday as other children his age and a little bit older and younger think he's scary or they think he's weird because of his special needs. So it was his mother contacted the Irish Sun newspaper and said, could you do something? Could you put an appeal out for some people to send birthday cards? And they, the Sun newspaper then, were inundated with good wishes from all over the world. It was actually last month, it was the end of August was this little boy's birthday. So what the newspaper did was they asked people to send cards and if they wanted to send presents into the Sun newspaper and then they delivered it on. They didn't put the little boy's address all over the internet or anything. But they got cards and presents from all over the world, from as far away as Singapore, from the US, from Canada, even from the Philippines. And needless to say, they came from all over Ireland, all over England, Scotland and Wales. Lots and lots and lots of people sending cards. And Louise, his mum, said the cards are absolutely beautiful. There was so much thought went into them. She said there was absolutely gorgeous cards that were handmade by other children and what she's planning on doing now is to make a collage of the cards so that Jackson will have them for uh, evermore. She said she also received letters from parents of children with special needs some very similar to Jackson's and they shared their struggles and how lonely their own children can be and they totally got what Louise was trying to do for her son Jackson. She said it was reassuring to hear I'm still in shock I'm just so taken aback to be honest by the generosity of 
total strangers. Jackson was diagnosed with autism, sensory processing disorder, global developmental delay and anxiety when he was just 20 months old. He's non-verbal. He struggles with daily tasks, she said, that other children just simply are able to do. She said the things that Jackson finds hard are the things that other children love doing. Now, he does have his own little passions. He loves bottles of water for some reason, but he also loves cards and he loves lining up the cards and she said he'll line up the cards whether it's his own birthday or somebody else's birthday and that's something that really makes him happy and she said when he's happy and excited he'll jump up and down and he'll make a little screech to show that he's uh, happy. She said some kids are scared of him or they think he's weird and she said they normally just stay away from him Um, and she said he's normally by himself all the time isn't that just so sad and he's only four so he obviously hasn't started school or anything yet Hopefully he'll uh, get into a special autism unit and uh, he'll be able to make friends or interact with other children. But it's just one of those sad stories that does have a happy ending. But just to to Betty, and it was kind of you, Betty, to suggest that you'd send a card. But uh, it was last month. It was last month. It's just, it's it's a good news story for today. 1850 C103 Jobs. Van driver is required. That's for immediate start based in the North Point Business Park in Blackpool. While a motor trade salesperson that's wanted for Fomoy, two to three years experience, please. Plumbers are wanted. That's for refurbishment of a gym in Cork City. And a minibus driver is wanted for a school run in Charleville. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Last week we received a text from a listener whose son has just started secondary school and has been offered the HPV vaccine, which is to be given to boys for the first time this year. The mother contacted us looking for advice on the vaccine and whether to give it to her son or not. So, to give us expert advice on the HPV programme, I'm joined by Cork-based GP, Dr Phil uh, Kieran, who joins me. Good morning to you, Phil. Good morning. And, Thanks for having me uh, on. Well, you're very welcome. I suppose, firstly, can you outline what, the H- what HPV is? Sure. Um, HPV stands for human papillomavirus. Now, it's a virus that's an incredibly common virus, and it's the virus that causes warts. So the strains we're talking about particularly will be associated with genital warts, right? Now, genital warts are not life-threatening. They are very distressing and disturbing for people who suffer from them, and they're incredibly common. But that in in and of itself, we, we would just treat it the way we've always treated it. However, they are... The virus itself is also what causes cervical cancer and has been implicated in a lot of other cancers. So particularly from a, non, from a, from a male perspective, it, it also is associated with penile cancer and anal cancers in men. So the HPV vaccine has been rolled out for girls for quite a while uh, to try and prevent cervical cancer. Um, and now we're extending it to boys for two reasons. First of all, to give boys the same protection when they're older against the cancers that are associated with uh, HPV, but also to increase the protection for women out there because we're reducing the number of people that are carrying HPV. And when you say the HPV is, is common, I mean, how many people would be affected by HPV? So prior to any vaccination programmes being brought in, the rates uh, of, of uh, 
the rates of people who would have been affected with it were 80% of people well, who were sexually active would have had HPV at some stage. And you would, and for some, they wouldn't even know that they have, have the virus. Absolutely, absolutely. For, for most, actually, in fact, they would get it with no symptoms. And for most people, thankfully, their immune system clears it completely and they don't need to worry about it unless they get reinfected, which does happen. Um, but it, it's the, the small percentage of people who do run into difficulty with what's called chronic infection, so their immune system never clears it. Mm. They are at a significantly increased risk of developing cancers. Are there any medical reasons why somebody shouldn't get the vaccine? Very, very few. I suppose if you know that you are absolutely allergic to a component of the vaccine or if you have a very severe immunocompromise, so you have no immune system or something like that, then the vaccine's not for you. But you will have been told that no vaccines are for you in those settings, right? Yeah, so you would know that. You would, you yeah, would. Yeah. So other than that, no, I don't think there's any reason not to get this vaccine. And what do you make of the anti-vaccination movement? I think there's a lot of misled people out there and I think there's an awful lot of fear being put about uh, about the vaccine. Look, we, we all want to do what's best for our children and when something new is introduced for them, it, it's normal enough or natural enough to question it and we should question everything that comes out for our children. Now, whether that's dietary advice or exercise advice or medical advice like this, we should, we should look at it with a critical eye. Um, I think some groups for their own agenda, whatever that is, have decided to target these vaccines. Now, I know way, way back at the start when we were talking about introducing it um, for girls back sort of, I think it's 10 years ago now, nearly. Twin, it's 2010. 2010, yeah, yeah. yeah, nearly 10 years ago. I know that one of the big complaints was that we were talking about vaccinating against a sexually transmitted infection, because it is, mm. in young people. And one of the reasons we're doing it is, A, that their immune system responds better at that age to when they're older. And B, you want to catch them at an age where there's absolutely no risk that they are sexually active at that point. So that's why we were bringing it in. And there was kind of a moralistic pushback against it back at the start. Um, now, whether that sort of, whether it's the same people who are still very strongly against it now or not, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But they have put about a lot of very questionable research, um, which is purporting to show that the vaccine causes a lot of damage. Well, you must be therefore glad to see the health minister writing to particularly the social media giants mm. uh, and calling them all in to try to combat the, the spread of misinformation about yeah. vaccinations. Well, I, I think so. And like, I, I'm delighted to see it. I think it was too easy for these social media giants to wash their hands of it and say, well, listen, we're not policing what people put up and it's up to everyone to do their own research on what they're reading. And in an ideal world, that world that's great. But you shouldn't present like very solid factual news based uh, information in the exact same way as you present opinion. Like if you show those two in the exact same way without flagging that one is opinion and one is research based, then it's very difficult for people to make up their mind on which to trust more. Yeah, and therefore when you're going to get the information, and you're right, parents do need to form themselves, mm. but it's where they go for that information. But what about the people who say, oh, the HPV side effects to that vaccine, everyone will know of somebody who knows of somebody mm. whose daughter got it and got, was it uh, the, the sleep disorder? Yeah, yeah. And so the, the things, the two things that it's been associated with are, are chronic fatigue syndrome and a thing called POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome, uh, which is why we just well. call it POTS. Um, but it, it has been linked with those two uh, in, in, in the media and in social media circles. The, the research doesn't support any link with it, I suppose. Chronic fatigue syndrome is something that I've been seeing since well before the vaccine came in. It, it, there's actually a case reported of it in ancient Egyptian writing. So it's not a new 
condition. It's, it's prehistoric. Um, and the rates haven't gone up since the vaccine came in. Unfortunately, it affects young girls more than young boys. It's about five times more common in girls than boys. And it tends to kick in between the ages of 13 and 18. And so girls get the vaccine at 13 and all of a sudden they get this life-changing condition. And it is life-changing. It, it, is, it is devastating. And so I have nothing but sympathy for parents whose children have this condition. Um, and a lot of the times they're looking for a reason for it because we don't, the medical society, the medical community don't have a solid reason for why this happens to some people. Um, now, we know, thankfully, that for most people it gets better, uh, but it can take two, three years to settle down. And that's that's at that time of someone's life, that is that is absolutely life changing, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not caused by the vaccine. It was just coincidental uh, it, that the person yeah, had the vaccine it, at the same it, time. It was the same as when the the MMR uh, scare happened because With of, the because of that terrible misrepresented publication. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that autistic signs tend to start at that age. Yeah. That's the age you get the vaccine, and so the two things happen at the same time, but it, it they're they're not cause and effect. So you have sons, and I know they're young. Yeah. Will would will you be giving them the, the HVP? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what do you say to parents who are having concerns about their sons or indeed their daughters? Because there's, yeah. there's still families out there who worry about it with their daughters. Mm. I say it's normal to be concerned and it shows that you're paying attention and that you're trying to do what's best for your child. I would say go and talk to their GP if they trust their GP and, and go through their concerns. Now, a lot of the times the problem is is that you have... Uh, documentaries, and I, I use that word very loosely, uh, on YouTube or places like that, and they purport, they, they give what they would term facts. And now, a lot of the times, these numbers that they say are not actually research-based, uh, but they give them very convincingly and very definitively, and that can be scary. Uh, I suppose I would tell all of my patients that I will definitely be vaccinating my children, and I have done a lot of research into this. Mm. Okay, and between HPV vaccine and cervical cancer screening, mm. we could see certain cancers really drop in, in the not-too-distant future. In the not-too-distant future, we could be seeing almost, almost no cervical cancer if this vaccine is taken up uh, widely, and we could see a significant drop-off in other cancers as well. Okay, all right. And just very briefly, because I, I got this in as, uh, as an email, it's a lengthy email, so I won't, I won't go into it all, but it's to do with the MMR vaccination. Yeah. And one of our listeners whose son or daughter, I'm not sure, had the first vaccination yeah. and reacted badly in that they got a high temperature, yeah. Yeah. screaming their heads off for a few days afterwards. Um, and she's fearful now because the next vaccine is the next vaccine Will, will the same school? thing happen second time round? Probably not. No, it will probably be like, so getting a bit of a temperature, a little bit of a rash is very, very common after the MMR vaccine. That's the body's immune system responding to the vaccine itself. Um, being upset, as upset as that email describes, is more than we would expect. But you do see it sometimes and it tends to be more common in, it tends to happen with the first MMR vaccine and not as much with the second one. Okay, so to n- tell her not so to worry, I, I she should be okay. It, it, there is always a chance, there's a chance the child could be quite upset with it, but it, it's it's less likely to happen. Okay. All right, uh, Phyllis, and we appreciate you taking time out. No I know you've you got a busy surgery there. Thanks for joining us. Okay, uh, Good you. morning to you. That is uh, Dr. Phil uh, Kieran, who is a GP.
P in the uh, city and just because I was conscious of his time I didn't read all of that email but just let me bring the, the listener doesn't want her name called out which is fine but just let me read this out because I'm sure there were probably other mothers whose children may have had a similar reaction to a vaccination and you may be able to offer advice to allay her fears and her uh, worries. Um, Okay, I decided to write to you about the MMR vaccination. My child is due this vaccination and I'm terrified to give it to her. She has had terrible reactions to previous vaccinations in in the way of screaming nonstop for days, not eating and extremely high temperatures. I have had South Dog visits five or six times in the two to three weeks following the vaccination. When I rang the doctor's office afterwards, to get advice I was brushed off and told it'll be fine and no one cared about the child screaming her head off for days on end I'm a single mother and I stay at home to mind her I'm so afraid of this vaccination that I literally am crying when I think I have to do it soon I've also ran the HSE office and I've been told go back to your doctor and you really but you, but I really am getting zero help I've mentioned it to the doctor when I was in about another issue and I was brushed off with I don't know what nonsense you are reading. Maybe I have read nonsense but this attitude has made me even more afraid. I would appreciate you keep my name confidential as many people I know listen to your show but I'm looking for advice. Ah, bless your heart. Yeah uh, but you know I mean hopefully hopefully the next vaccination the um, the next shot your child will be absolutely perfect. It could just have been that the particular last vaccination was coincided with something else that was going on, that the little one was coming down with something. You know, because most parents will tell you their child goes in, they'll get the shot, there might be a bit of crying and screaming their heads off for the couple of seconds afterwards and then they're fine and no effect, maybe a little rash on the arm, but, you know, a bit of calpol uh, and they'll all be fine. So hopefully it will be the very same. But vaccines are just so, so important particularly the MMR uh, vaccines. I can't emphasise that enough and I'm sure if you've done your research into how important the vaccinations are, you will know all of that. Anyway, any other parent out there with a young child who had a reaction to like that screen? Now, fine after it, but just for that few days afterwards, really off sorts not well, high temperature, not eating and really unwell for a couple of days. And then were they fine again on the next one or did they react like that in all of the vaccinations? Which you'd hate to think that, that, that that's what would happen. But, you know, you just don't know. And I'm saddened to see that your doctor is brushing you off, but I'm assuming a GP, the GP that you're going to, busy GP practice, which is a little bit unfortunate that you're being brushed off like that. You shouldn't. I mean, if you've got... I wonder, could you try maybe and go to the nurse? You know, there's wonderful practice nurses. If the doctors are under pressure, I always find that the the nurses certainly in the practice that I go to are a mine of information and they really are great and I'm wondering maybe a nurse might be able to allay your fees, fears as well if that's of any use to you. 1850-333-103 if any though, anyone that would like to offer advice to that young mother worried and the fact that you're parenting alone as well if you had somebody else with you that you could bounce it off and talk to it makes things a little bit easier but when you're on your own it does make it all a little bit more difficult so if anybody wants to offer advice we'd love to hear from you. And next month a major conference on depression and bipolar disorders from members of the public will be held at University College Dublin to talk about the conference and who would benefit by attending. I'm joined by Breed O'Mara who is Director of Services with AWARE who are organising the uh, conference actually to coincide with World Mental Health uh, Day. Uh, good morning to Breed. Good morning Patricia, uh, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm well and you're very welcome to the programme. Thank now you. firstly, how many people are known to suffer from depression at any one time in this country? Do we have figures on that? 
Yes, we do. We we estimate around 450,000, which is a phenomenally big number. Um, and even more recently, we are hearing from Eurostat that that may, number may even be higher. Um, Eurostat last year, to coincide with World Mental Health Day in 2018, they suggested eight 12%, which is one in eight. But we, at the moment, we are staying with about 450,000, um, which is, yeah, Huge numbers, number. huge numbers. And yeah. then bipolar disorder, how common is that? Yeah, so bipolar disorder worldwide would be around 1% of the population. So that's in Ireland would be about 45,000 people. And is bipolar disorder and depression, are they linked? Um, yes and no. So people who experience bipolar disorder experience uh, two opposite ends of mood. So they would experience depression and they would also experience high mood or, or elation. Um, so they, so that's what the word bipolar means. It's, it's two poles of mood, so low mood and high mood. People who experience depression um, would only experience the low mood and mm. then, you know, back to, to normal mood again. So while the symptoms of depression in both depression and in the depression of bipolar are very similar, they're actually very different conditions. And I'm assuming that one of the main messages from the conference breed would be recovery is possible. Absolutely, absolutely. That you're so right. Um, what we're looking at in this conference really is we're looking at depression and bipolar disorder across the lifespan. So we will have speakers speaking about depression in pregnancy and in the postnatal period, all the way up through life, so through child and adolescence, the impact of uh, parents' mental health on their children, um, all the way up to depression and bipolar in in later life, in old age. So we're going all the way across the lifespan. Uh, We will also be looking, obviously, at staying well and keeping well and how recovery is possible and all the things that you can do in order to uh, improve your mood. But we're also looking at the future of depression and bipolar and some new um, emerging uh, research and knowledge that's coming through in terms of, of uh, awareness and knowledge around depression and bipolar, which is very interesting. There's a, a wonderful um, lineup of speakers for the day. We, we have two streams. We have a clinician stream, which is aimed at psychiatrists, GPs, psychologists, pharmacists, uh, psychotherapists, anybody who's working in the area of mental health. And then we have the public stream, which is for everybody, for anybody who has an interest in the area of depression, bipolar, maybe experience. So you're saying people who people who maybe have a diagnosis themselves are. I also think it would be of huge benefit to if you are living with somebody. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So if you're supporting a loved one, um, living with them or or supporting them, this would be really of interest to you. Um, And excuse me, if it's an area that you have you just have an interest in and you'd like to know more about it and have a better understanding of depression and a better understanding of bipolar disorder, this is the conference for you. I'm really interested in uh, what's been billed as the gut feeling, the the gut side of and the Yes, the connection. The connection the gut, the gut there. Access, yes. Yeah. The connection between what goes on in your gut and what goes on in your brain. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to hear her speak. I think it's going to be fascinating talk. Um, and one, I think it's wonderful that all these approaches are being looked into because this, this can only help people. Mm. So more awareness, knowledge. I always feel knowledge is power. And having more knowledge about your condition, more knowledge about all of the different approaches that have been taken to it, can only be helpful. 
And the fact that you're looking at both depression and bipolar disorder from, you know, all ages, from the young right up to the old. Do I take it from that that you can you can get a diagnosis for depression or bipolar at any age? Yes, you can. You can. I mean, the usual time for diagnosis of bipolar disorder would be late teens, early 20s. But depression, we know, can present much earlier. And the reason we're doing um, the pre and postnatal period is because, you know, um, uh, pregnant women can experience depression in pregnancy. So uh, prenatal. Um, and then we, you know, there would be quite a lot has been spoken about over the years of postnatal depression. I, and to be honest, I've never, I don't think I've ever done an interview on, on prenatal. I would have done postnatal. Uh, mm. Prenatal, when somebody should be so excited and full of life because they're about to give life. Yes. Yes. They're suddenly feeling down. God, that it must be shocking. Yes, and there's been there's been more and more women coming forward to talk about that. And Professor John Sheehan will be speaking about that at our conference. And it's it's a, an area that's becoming more talked about. But you know, just as you said it there in your in your um, account of that, you said you know, just at a time when you you'd imagine you'd be feeling on top yeah. of the world and you'd be so thrilled. So when you think about that, can you imagine how? how awful it must feel for a woman to experience depression at that time. Dreadful. When when everybody's expecting her to be over the moon and expecting her to be full of the joys of spring because she's pregnant and having this lovely baby and she's feeling miserable. My God, God help her, God um, help her. And are are we getting better, Brido, about talking about depression? I think we certainly are. I think, you know, look, we're having this conversation on the radio this morning, isn't it wonderful? We, you know, I think we have we have become, as a, as a society, we have become much more accepting of it and much more willing to talk about it. That's not to say, to say the stigma isn't still alive and well and living in Ireland. It is, because we, we know that is particularly in a way where we can see how much stigma still impacts people. But we have come a long way. Mm. I mean, if you look back, I mean, when I started working in mental health, um, in the 80s, it was completely different. You know, there was a much, much bigger stigma. And if you take that back another 20 years. Yeah, the, yeah. And I remember talking to my parents about, you know, um, mental health in the community and people who had mental illness. It just wasn't talked about at all. Whereas now we can talk about it, like say we can have this this discussion on the radio. We can have, we, people are more willing to go out and look for what supports are there what forms of treatment are available, what suite of treatments are available. And And, I I would even notice in, you know, chatting with friends and acquaintances, and if the, you know, the topic of depression comes up, I always think it's great to have somebody, now they're not going around wearing a t-shirt saying I suffer from depression, but you will find more and more people will say I went through, you know, a depressive episode last year, the year before, or, you know, and then more than willing to share with what worked for them. Uh, And I love to hear those success stories. And and, and me as well. I think it's great because I think it also highlights the fact that if somebody experiences depression, it's an episode. Yeah. So it's not, if you experience depression, doesn't mean you're depressed all the time. It means that you have an episode of depression and that you recover from it and that life goes back to normal and that you carry on and that you continue, you know, your work life, your home life, your social life. And that this the period of depression is short lived. But the big the big message there is that there is treatment available for that episode and that you don't need to be depressed. There's no need in this nowadays for you to, to feel like that because there is so much available. And your GP, your first port of call? 
first port of call always GP. If there's anybody listening to this uh, interview who's concerned about their mental health, I would really encourage them to go onto our website, aware.ie, where we have, um, uh, and we use an acronym FESTIVAL for the symptoms of depression. There are eight symptoms, so F is for feelings, E is for energy, S is for sleep, T is for thoughts, I is for interests, V is for value for self, A is for aches and pains, and L is for interest in living. And what we would say in AWARE is if you have five or more of the symptoms for two weeks or more, we would really encourage you to go to see your GP. And the reason we would encourage you to go to see your GP isn't because we're saying you have an episode of depression. What we're saying is you need to go to see your GP because, yes, it may be depression, but it may be a physical condition. Mm. It may be something like an underactive thyroid gland, which can be resolved very easily. It may be um, a low blood count, you know, an episode of anemia, which can be resolved very easily. So what we're saying is please don't, you know, feel like this for a long time and be slow to do something about it. Go to your GP, talk to your GP around the symptoms. If you're finding it hard to explain to your GP how you're feeling, bring along our festival acronym and say, aware, say, if I have five more of these for two weeks or more, <laughs> well, I should have come to see you. Yeah. Here they are. Yeah, okay. well done. That's good. Yeah. That is good because yeah. people do find it hard. They find it hard to put it into words into what words. it is. Yeah, yeah and yeah. particularly if your mood is low, it's very hard sometimes to be able to pull it all together and paint the picture for your GP. But I always encourage people, use what we have on our website for you. Use the eight symptoms. Bring them along with you to your GP so that you have a prompt and you'll be able to talk about them and say, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah, and it's a big, beautiful world out there and you have lots of living to do. So let's mm. get you better and get you back out there yeah. And, yeah. and doing it. Now, for, to register for the conference, you, you want people to register because obviously you need to know numbers. We need to know numbers. We need to know numbers. So we ask people to go on to the AWARE conference website aware conference um, and they can book their place there Okay and it's been held in Dublin on Saturday October 12th that's why we're that's doing it a month out so that people yeah. have noticed people and have, if they need yeah. to book if you want to go train buses or whatever way you want to get there exactly. Listen good luck with it um, Breathe it sounds like a really exciting uh, lineup, and thank yeah. you so much for taking time out to contact us Thank you, Patricia. Okay, good, good morning to you. Bye bye. Okay. And of course, Aware have a support line, a free phone number, 1 800 80 48 48. If uh, you want to talk to somebody about depression uh, or bipolar disorder, 1 800 80 48 48. And that was Breed O'Mara from Aware in advance of that conference, coinciding with World Mental Health Day hosting that major national conference in uh, Dublin. We wish them luck with it. Don't forget, in the next hour, we have our competition. We're running a very special competition across this week in association with the McCroom Food Festival. The McCroom Food Festival will run from September 19th to the 22nd. They've got live music. They've got schools cook-off. Massive outdoor food market, which is always one of the big, big events for the McCroom Food Festival. It is a jam, jam-packed few days in McCroom. And we're celebrating with them by offering daily prizes of Folan's gift packs. Now, they've got new limited editions, jams and marmalades and relishes, and they are just finger licking goods they really are fantastic and we have a daily one of those gift packs to give away Monday through to Thursday and then on Friday we give away a big big prize with an overnight stay for two in the Castle Hotel in McCroom you're listening out every day for an audio clip of an Irish chef doing a cooking segment with a word bleeped out would you like to hear today's one yes you would I'm going to begin by making the toffee sauce so in the saucepan here 
I've got 125 grams of good and 50 grams of better. Okay, we'll play that again in the next hour, okay? And then we will let you know how you can enter for today and possibly win today's prize. And if you want to check out more about the McCroom Food Festival, they have an absolutely super duper website, which is McCroomFoodFestival.com. Somebody's saying, where is that conference going on? It's the, this is the one from AWARE Conference on Depression and Bipolar. It's on in O'Reilly Hall, which is in University College Dublin on Saturday, October the 12th. It's kind of an all day event. It's from 9.30 in the morning. But the one, one of the topics is some really interesting topics. One of the ones that really interests me is this what, the, what they're, they're calling gut feeling and what they're looking at is how nutrition can impact on your mental health and actually it's one of our own from Cork it's a Dr Olivia O'Leary from the Department of Anatomy and Neuroscience at UCC will be speaking about the gut brain axis and psycho Biotics is what they're called and they play a role in stress-related disorders such as depression and anxiety and kind of a little bit like we've always sort of said you are what you eat but we never really have thought about it from a mood point of view and lifting your mood and putting you in good mood and making you feel good and actually I mentioned it on Friday off air when I was down at the OB in Skibreen Fields in Skibreen when I was speaking with the happy pair you know the, the, the boys Dave and uh, Stephen O'Flynn who are just boundless energy. These boys have been talking about that, talking about a healthy and a happy gut and how it can affect your mood. They've been talking about it for many, many years, but it really has been picked up by science now and the powers that be and people working in mental health are starting to see that there is a connection. If you can get somebody to eat properly and make sure that they've got a happy and happy gut, basically, that it really will uh, help. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Butterbent to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I'm going to uh, a WhatsApp in about vaccinations. When we were talking about vaccinations in the last hour and we had Dr. Phil Kiernan, who is a GP in Cork City and he's very much advocating on behalf of vaccines and in particular the HPV vaccine which for the first time this year is being given to boys as well as girls in uh, first year and he was offering advice on vaccines and he also said he's got two boys that when they come of age He'll be certainly giving them the vaccine. Anyway, text Linda. Thank you, Linda, for putting your name on your, on your text. Linda says, Patricia, I'm all for science-based evidence and knowing good sources of information. It's all part of critical thinking, which is each person's responsibility. What I don't like, though, is hearing from this doctor the assertion that there is no connection between vaccines and sudden onset illnesses. As the maxim states, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. And what about free speech anyway? Everyone has a right to that. And that's from Linda in uh, Clonakilty. You, absolutely, you, you. everyone has a right to free speech and everyone has a right to getting information, as you put it so clearly, science-based evidence and knowing that it's good sources of information. That's where the problem lies. There has been a huge spread of misinformation when it comes to 
vaccines. And actually, I was reading a piece from the World Health Organization and vaccine hesitancy has been identified by the WHO as one of the 10 leading threats of global health in uh, 2019 and that's why there's this alliance of healthcare professionals and policymakers. they're examining how better to promote the childhood immunisation programme and the HPV vaccines for both boys and uh, girls and it hopes to increase vaccination uptake rates by promoting vaccination and improving understanding and, and of confidence in vaccination among the uh, general public. And they do have an amount of work uh, to do. But can I just say, even just on the, the MMR one, and I can speak from per, from a personal level on this one. I mean, as regular listeners will know, I am the parent to... To a, to a girl, to a young girl who has, a uh, young woman as she is now, who is uh, deaf blind. And in this country, the last cases of deaf blind would have been probably around the 70s. And that would have been as a result of rubella. But MMR came in and we have almost eradicated rubella in this country. And as a parent of somebody who's deaf blind, I can be so care, I can be so thankful that rubella has been eradicated. But could you imagine, I mean, you know, a child gets rubella and they're basically probably feeling a little miserable for a day or two and they have a rash over their body and generally speaking, they bounce back and they're absolutely fine. It is, funny enough, one of the only childhood illnesses I ever remember having. I had German measles, as we called it. I mean, I don't even know if we were using the term rubella, but German measles was what we called it. And I remember having as a child, wasn't even that sick. I got a couple of days in bed and a few days off school and it was great fun. And that was it. But if I had come in contact with somebody who was pregnant in the early stages of pregnancy, maybe wouldn't even have realised that they were pregnant, that person then could have gone on to have had a baby with a major birth defect such as deafness, blindness, brain damage or heart defects are in many cases deaf blindness. And it's just, I think as a parent, all of us would find it very difficult if you knew that your child got German measles and then you subsequently discovered that someone you knew or a neighbour or a family member went on to have a child with a birth defect that could be linked to rubella. You would never, ever forgive yourself. So for that reason, I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate of MMR. And let's not forget, even in itself, measles, mumps and rubella, why we might look at them at childhood uh, illnesses. If a thousand people get measles, one or two will die from measles. Children do die from measles. And if a thousand people get mumps, 50 out of a thousand will go on to get viral meningitis. So they're not just childhood illnesses that you think, gosh, I don't care if my child gets it, they'll be fine, they'll, they will be able to uh, bounce back. But um, thank you for your text. <laughs> Sorry, I've gone on a bit of a rant there, which <laughs> nothing to do with your text. But you are right. You are entitled to free speech. Absolutely accept that. But do get the proper evidence, science-based evidence when you're getting your information. We have too much misinformation out there about vaccines and there is a huge amount of work needs to be done uh, to clarify that for sure. 1850 Thank you for your uh, text. I can see some texts coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming. Somebody else wants me to give a mention and I'm glad to do this for the Community Diary. We'll do it now because I don't think it's in the Community Diary. It's from uh, Marina O'Donoghue McCroom Flower and Garden 
club floral demonstration along with Aoife Cusick of IFA and it's entitled Hidden Gems of Autumn. Doesn't that sound wonderful? And it'll include ideas for wedding flowers and they're hosting it on Thursday, the 12th of September, which is this Thursday at 8 o'clock in Cool Cower House. New members and visitors are most welcome. There will be a plant sales table and there'll be club, club competitions as well so if you want to pop along to there next Thursday that sounds like a lovely lovely night out on behalf of McCroom Flower and Garden Club now somebody was on earlier as well and I didn't get around to it um, looking or talking about RTE being short of money and talking about the amount of wages that some presenters get in RTE and it is a story that's making the papers uh, today Ray Darcy is first out saying he is prepared to take a pay cut he earns I just think these figures are start, and I'm not taking away from the these RTE presenters are very very talented and I'm not taking away from their talent but I just find it very hard to understand how anyone can earn this kind of money for the type of jobs that they do you know jobs that I'm very blessed to do and I do because I love at times it doesn't even feel like a job but to think that anyone could do this kind of job and get paid 450,000 euro a year that's nearly a half a million a year in salary I just think that figure is staggering anyway that's what Ray Darcy is on. Uh, and he's first out saying, yeah, he's willing to take a pay cut. He's expecting one because he's about to renegotiate his contract with RTE and they are cash-strapped at the moment. He, by the way, Ray Darcy is the second highest pay earner. There is somebody paid more. Who's that? Ryan Tuberty. Ryan Tuberty is on €495,000 and that is a year. And I'm reading this piece from the Irish Independent. Ian Begley is writing it and he contacted a number of other broadcasters including Miriam O'Callaghan. He put a call through to Joe Duffy, to Sean O'Rourke and to Mary Wilson, all the kind of the big names and, uh, you know, saying, would you be willing to take a wage cut bearing in mind that there's a financial situation going on at the station but the broadcasters didn't respond at the time of going to press. Surprise, surprise. Now the RT Director General Dee Forbes last week she revealed that the financial situation at the broadcaster was not like anything we have ever seen before. She says as a result they simply will not be able to continue the way they are. So she is saying that something has to be done. The RT are warning the broadcasting regulator that it will be forced to make compulsory redundancies if they don't receive an injection of cash. They need an extra 55 million per year in funding. Not just for this year, they're going to need it for every year if they are to continue doing what they are doing. The station's overall income has decreased by a staggering 100 million. That's in the past decade. It recorded losses of 18 million last year. Now that was after cuts they had 150 voluntary redundancies over the last two years but they still made a loss of 18 million. RTE say that with no extra funding regional services here again it's going to be rural Ireland is going to be affected sports and drama are among the services likely to face cuts and that they, they are also saying compulsory redundancies uh, would also be uh, required. But I don't know whether they've looked at all the big earners. I mean, they won't, they won't even, if they, even if they all take cuts, let's be honest, they're not going to save 55 million, but they would save some. They would save some money by doing that. So only time uh, will tell. It, does, just, it just seems like an awful lot of money. 1850 Thank you to Mary who has sent in a text along with a photograph 
to say hi Patricia I went to the clothes bank in Dairy Gold in Mallow and I don't know whether this was this morning or over the weekend I can't believe the amount of black bags left on the ground full how these people are getting away with this I don't know and Mary sent on and I can see the picture there is it's beside the it's the clothes bank there seems to be one two there's before clothes banks there they're all clothes banks one and then these are the bags one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen there's at least thirteen big black plastic bags and then on top there's smaller clear ones or white plastic bags one two three four five six seven eight now I take it they weren't all left by one. Are they all closed? You see, you'd be fearful if they're not closed. I think people leaving out bags of rubbish. And Dairy Gold, I would imagine, have CCTV cameras there, but it seems like a huge amount. But you see, what happens there is one person goes along to the clothes bank and it's full. And sure, I shall just leave the bag there and it'll get collected. And then someone else comes along. Oh, Clothes bank is full. Oh, somebody's left bags there. Oh, it's okay to leave a bag there. It's all tossed two bags beside that then. So then you've got three bags. Then along comes somebody else with another bag and on and on and on it goes. It's, it's, to me, it's always the person who leaves the first bag kicks that off. And I know because I use clothes banks. I try my best to drop in everything directly to charity shops because I feel then they, and, and I don't know whether they do or not, but I feel if you drop it into your local charity shop, It'll get redistributed locally. Is this, am I right in thinking that's what happens? But anyway, sometimes I don't, can't always make it to the charity shop. So there's a Vincent de Paul charity box uh, near Clothes Bank that goes directly to the site of the Vincent de Paul because I see the van go in a couple of times a week to, to collect it. It's in the Aldi supermarket in Mallow. So that's the one that I would always I would always use if I'm not going directly into the shop. But anyway, and I've gone down there and it's been full. And I've mumbled under my breath and I'm, oh God, because I've called it out of the car and I've put it back into the car and I have driven away. And I have tried again. I normally just leave the clothes in the boot or in the back of the car, wherever they are, and I'll go back again the following day because normally within a day or two, the clothes bank is emptied. But I have never, and hand on heart, and I never will, have left my bag beside the clothes bank. Even if I knew the van was about to come, I wouldn't. I mean, I was one day driving away and the van pulled in and I reversed around and said here I've another bag for you and handed it in but I would never leave it outside because I always feel it's the one, the first bag whoever leaves the first bag starts it and then everybody else thinks because it's the bag left Asher must be okay to do it and everybody else leaves it so please stop doing it but we need to get that first person to stop leaving the bag bring it home with you I know it's frustrating uh, but you can go back another time or else go directly get it into a closed charity shop find your local charity shop and see have they certain collection days or have they a place that you can drop it into they'd love to hear from you 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie The Irish Blood Transfusion Service they've got uh, blood donor clinics in the Charleville Park Hotel today 3 to 5 this afternoon and again tonight between 7 and 9 Donnerail Active Retirement they are meeting with Arts and Crafts at 2 o'clock today followed by their meeting guest speaker Marie O'Sullivan from Ballyhower Rural Services all welcome and the Q Centre in Mallow they're offering places on their QQI Level 3 and 4 general learning programmes they're free with priority given to early school leavers medical card holders or those in receipt of social welfare payment an open morning to provide information on Level 4 QQ early QQI early 
Childhood Education and Care Support course will be held at Skibbereen Further Education and Training Centre. That's on Wednesday of this week between 10am and 12 at noon. While a coffee day in aid of Marymount Hospice will be held at the home of John and Ruth Bottomore, Bailed West in Rossmore in Clon. That's going to be Wednesday from 10am to 6pm. Please call in for a cuppa and support the wonderful work of Marymount Hospice. A marketplace poetry in Fomoy. They're launching their book all to one side. It's at the Blackwater Valley Makers Gallery, the square in Fomoy, on this Friday. That's Friday the 13th at half past seven. All are welcome. Look, it wasn't supposed to end like this. I was going to use you in a cauliflower curry. I, I, I had good intentions. I should have bought frozen instead. Food waste can cost the average Irish family €700 Euro a year, not to mention a lot of guilt. So waste less and buy frozen. Green Isle, get to the goodness. Don't miss Irish country star Derek Ryan live in concert at the Charleville Park Hotel on the 24th of October. Playing the songs from his hit album, 10. Hello, hello. Joined each night by very special guest, Olivia Douglas. Tickets on sale now from Ticketmaster and Hotel Reception. Bon Secours Radiotherapy Centre, in partnership with UPMC Hillman Cancer Centre, now offers advanced radiotherapy services and rapid access to specialised care. The centre provides faster and more precise cancer treatments, including state-of-the-art radiotherapy, using Munster's only Varian Edge technology. Now the most advanced treatment is closer to home, in the new Bon Secours Cork Cancer Centre. For more information, visit corkcancercentre.ie forward slash radiotherapy. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is out now, and the five-star reviews are in. It's going to blow your mind, man. It's sensational. Like you. I immediately wanted to see it again and again. Don't I know it. Quentin Tarantino has made his masterpiece. That's about right. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. Don't you forget it. See Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at Cinemas Now, rated 18. City Tiles and Bathrooms, Superstores, Toker, and North Point Blackpool's massive 72-hour bathroom bonanza giveaway is on this weekend only. There's unbeatable savings on wall and floor tiles from as little as €4.99 per square yard. Bathroom suites from only €499 and showers, mirrors and accessories also dramatically reduced. Get to City Tiles and Bathroom Superstores, Toker and North Point Blackpool's massive 72-hour bathroom bonanza giveaway sale this weekend only. First come, first served. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And before I get to the competition, I want to give a shout out because there was a lovely email in to say good morning Patricia uh, it was an honour to attend last evening's presentation of awards organised by the Blood Transfusion Service to donors who've given either 50 or 100 donations in all 173 donors were honoured in a well organised simple but most relaxing ceremony there was a minimum of fuss just what these humble donors needed and I'm sure they found the walk up to the presentation area more daunting than all of the blood donations they have given. They are true heroes. We are all indebted to their selfless donations over the years. Again, well done to the staff of the Blood Bank. If only our country and county were as well run. Congratulations to all 173 donors. That's summary. Well done. I don't know where that ceremony was held. I'm assuming was it was it held locally, but terrific and wonderful. Wonderful that they were acknowledged. They are they are real unsung heroes. They they really are. So well done. And uh, we just meant after mentioning that there's a blood donor clinic going on in Charleville today. If you were once a donor and fell away for whatever reason reason, maybe you think about going back, or if you've never done it before. 
police and you're in the Charleville area, pop along. It's, it's, yeah, and you get such a wonderful buzz after doing it. You really do feel uh, great. Can anybody help out Christine, who has uh, contacted us and Please, God, if we help out Christine, she might become one of our listeners into the future. She is living in County Clare and she is hoping to move to West Cork because she's just fallen in love with the area. But her problem now is she's trying to rent a property. She's looking for either a one or a two bedded house or apartment in the Skibbereen or Ballydehob area. Ideally, she needs the property to be near or within walking distance to shops. I'm assuming she doesn't have uh, transport. She's been searching online but having absolutely no luck and she will be using the HAP scheme for paying, towards paying her rent. So does anybody know of a property available, Skibbereen or Ballydehob for rent? We obviously have all of Christine's uh, details and she wants to move from lovely lovely County Clare to beautiful West Cork. Great place to live as well, Christine. Let's see if we can help her out. 1850-333-103. If anybody has uh, any suggestions, please, as to where Christine might be able to rent. It is competition time. It is. It, this week, The we are celebrating with McCroom Food Festival, which will run from September 19th to the 22nd. Every day this week, I have a Folan's gift pack to give away, which is full of new limited editions, jams, marmalades and relishes. They're absolutely gorgeous. We've got four of those gift packs to give away, one every day this week. And then on Friday, we're going to give a top prize of an overnight stay for two people in the Castle Hotel in McCroom. So if you'd like to win one of the Folan's gift packs, we need you to tell us the word that is missing from this cookery demonstration which has been given by Rachel Allen. I'm going to begin by making the toffee sauce. So in the saucepan here, I've got 125 grams of gold and 50 grams of butter. Okay, what do you think is missing from Rachel Allen's recipe? What words have we bleeped out? 1850-333-103. Caller 12, John Paul, will pick up today's uh, prize. Get through to John Paul now if you can tell us the missing words. I'm going to begin by making the toffee sauce. So, in the saucepan here, I've got 125 grams of gold and 50 grams of butter. I, I think when you hear it a second and third time, it's easy enough. The first time I heard it, I was thinking, oh, I didn't get that at all. I don't know what's, what she's saying. I'm going to begin by making the toffee sauce. So in the saucepan here, I've got 125 grams of gold and 50 grams of butter. Well, I think the clue is in the toffee sauce. And don't we all love toffee sauce? If you know the answer to that, get dialing 1850-333-103 for today's prize. And we'll mix it up during the week. We'll do it by phones some days and we'll do it by text message on uh, other days. In the meantime, by text or WhatsApp, you can get questions in for Annalise Drussell, a nutritional therapist, who's going to be joining us 1850. Oh no, by text or WhatsApp, sorry, 0862-103-103. With regard to the high earners at RTE and the fact that RTE are in financial difficulty. According to D Forbes, they have never been in a worse situation. It is the worst financial situation that they have ever been in and something needs to be done. She's calling on the powers that be and on the government to give extra money. The RTE, they reckon, need 55 million euro per year extra 
in funding. That's if they're to keep going and keep maintaining the services they have at the moment. But of course, it's drawn attention and spotlight to the high earners and people are saying enough is enough. And if they are losing money, and they are, they are losing money, they lost 18 million euro last year. Surely some of the high earners could take some bit of a, uh, of a pay cut. And I was mentioning how the two, well, the two top earners of the two boys, uh, Ray Darcy and Ryan Tuberty. Ray Darcy's on 450,000 euro a year. And then Ryan Tuberty is on 495,000 euro. Nearly half a million a year is what they earn. Anyway, Mary says, Patricia, with regard to the broadcasters and RTE and their ridiculous wages, says Mary. I personally would not miss some of the best paid presenters if they did take redundancy. I think they don't give good value for that amount, for the amount of money they're paid. There are lots of young presenters who should get a chance to present on RTE. Fresh new faces, that's what's needed. Kind regards, says uh, Mary. And you'd get a lot of fresh new faces, wouldn't you, for the amount of money that the two boys alone are getting. Uh, Yeah, but I don't know if they're going to take voluntary redundancy or if they're going to take redundancy uh, or not. And Eileen Incantorx, a cyberdish, that's an awful amount of money. Are they really worth it? And there are people homeless and hungry, says Eileen. She's taken on a much more serious side uh, to it. 1850-333-103. I take it, do we have a winner at this stage? We do. You can stop calling us because I can see... Um, I can see the phone lines are hopping and we need to clear the lines and keep them free for Annalise's questions. And our fallen hamper has gone to... Da, da, da. Anne Burke and Bantry, congratulations to you, Anne. You've picked up the first of our hampers, the first of four. We'll give them away for the rest of the week and then the overnight stay in the wonderful Castle Hotel in McCroom along with dinner on the night and 11 Taste Trail tickets for you to enjoy at the McCroom Festival. We'll give that away on Friday. And if you want, do you want the answer? Yes, give you the answer. This was Rachel Allen. I'm going to begin by making the toffee sauce. So in the saucepan here, I've got 125 grams of golden syrup and 50 grams of butter. It was golden syrup was the answer we were looking for. And you can check it all out if you want to find out more about the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. You can check it out on McCroomFoodFestival.com if you want more information uh, there. Um Hi, this is Joan. I've heard through uh, people in the Society of Vincent de Paul over the years, a lot of the clothes, this is on recycling, are actually going on, a lot of the clothes that are donated are actually going on for recycling. 90% end up in recycling. If they have too many clothes in the shop, the items in the bin go for recycling. I feel it's sad when good clothes go to recycling as in upcycling or recycling um, I'm not quite sure what you mean by recycling the whole idea of giving them onto a charity shop uh, Joan to me is they get recycled I know if they have too much they can sell them on to the charities that buy well they're not charities they're businesses aren't they that buy clothes and then they get sold on in markets in Eastern Europe in markets in India I was watching a programme the other day for example in parts of Africa and they had these huge big markets with loads and loads of clothes and clothes very very cheap I mean a couple of pence for a pair of jeans or the equivalent you know of what we would 50-60 cent you know for a pair of runners or whatever and what they were they were second hand clothes that end up being sold on 
on and then they end up with markets so poor people benefit they still have to pay but they benefit from the clothes so I'm unless that's what you mean Joan they can only physically take so many clothes that they can sell on in the shops and obviously what surplus they have then they try to make money because obviously the whole idea of the Society of St Vincent de Paul is to uh, make money 1850 for the charity 1850 333103 we need your questions please for Annalise Drissel on nutritional therapist so you could call John Paul with the questions or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Nick Richards weekday afternoons from 1 C103 I'm in Cove today for the People's Regatta Sean you are at Keith's Cone is that right? I am yet What's the most unusual ice cream anyone's ever asked you for? I had a woman come up to me before and she asked for a cone with sprinkles on it so I threw the old ice cream on you know and I was about to put the sprinkles on and she was like no I didn't want the ice cream she just wanted a cone with sprinkles inside it I didn't Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Charge her, but uh, the boss is a bit mean, so he he wanted me to charge her, you know, but I couldn't charge. She was a mother. <laughs> Monday to Friday from one p.m. C one o three. This is the Court Today replay on C one o three. Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. and and you're very welcome. And actually, I was mentioning you when we were talking earlier, uh, and I mentioned you on Friday as well. Actually, when we were talking about gut health and the link to mood if you're if you're everything is right in your gut your yes. actual it can lift your mood uh, it absolutely can and i think people we have a kind of i think even a gut instinct for that part yeah. of the pun but you know i mean when you're stressed it'll go straight to your stomach you know you'll, you'll you might feel sick you might not be able to eat or you might feel butterflies or crampy in your stomach um and some people, when they feel low in their mood, it affects their appetite. And some people, then obviously, if you're eating a poor diet, that's going to affect your mood because you're not going to be getting your nutrients. And now the new link with the gut bacteria and mood um, is, is huge. And I think there's a big link via a nerve called the vagus nerve. Patricia, we spoke about that last week. So the vagus nerve connects the gut to the brain. And we're only just starting at the very, very beginning of the research into how gut bacteria can actually affect that nerve and how it can cause uh, low mood, anxiety, depression. So I think in years to come, we'll have a lot more targeted approach that'll be treating the gut and not the head at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. And actually, I was speaking with a happy pair, you know, the, the Flynn boys. Yeah. Um, who are, I know they follow a vegan diet, but they've been going on about a happy gut for years. For years, they've been on about, you know, if you can get everything right in your gut, the rest of your body kind of follows follows along and in your head and everything. So, uh, yes, it's, it doesn't come as any surprise to me. OK, let's get straight into questions for you, starting with D. It says, hi, Patricia, my husband suffers from vertigo. Now, he hasn't had an episode for about five years, but then in the last three weeks, he's had one a week. He has medication, but he still gets the dizziness and he has to go to bed to sleep it off, for want of a better description. Could Annalise make any suggestions, please? So it's, this is a difficult one, Patricia, because um, it's something that's affecting the canals of the inner ear. 
there's little uh, canals that all kind of join together within our ear and they're filled with fluid and they are responsible for our sense of balance and for keeping us upright and walking straight, etc. So often with vertigo, what can happen is that a virus that's very um, like the flu virus can cause inflammation that affects these canals and that can affect your balance. and You'll feel dizzy and nauseous, almost like being seasick. Um, so it's possible that, you know, maybe that this gentleman has has gotten a flare-up of a virus. I mean, I know a lady, uh, one of my customers told me that most of her um, her daughter's classmates were out sick, so there's a lot of chest and sinus and other types of viruses going around at the moment. So that's always a possibility. One of the best things for the inner ear is a bacteria called um, Lactobacillus salivarius. And another thing um, that's excellent for inner ear inflammation is from rosemary. It's the extract of rosemary called rosmarin. So what I would recommend in that case is a supplement called um, by a company called Nature's Plus, and it's called Age Loss Hearing Support. And that's got a combination of natural anti-inflammatories and immune boosters. It's got this salivarius and the rosemary from the rosemary as well. And I've had good success with that. So that's probably in this case what I'd recommend. But it's not always the virus that can cause the vertigo. So it can be a little bit more complicated than that. Okay, Mick says, hi, Annalise. Could you recommend something for a good night's sleep, please, and something for more energy? I'm on medication and take an aspirin and I'm on something for cholesterol. Okay, so um, there's probably a few different parts to that question, really, Patricia, because um, I don't know what the diet is like or what lifestyle and, um, you know, busyness and stress is like. So generally, when your energy is low, it's about figuring out why is your energy low. And if it's as basic as not sleeping, then obviously trying to address the sleep would be the key there. Sometimes very stressful lives ultimately kind of wear out the body. And then in that case, it would be about stress support. But I think a good all-rounder that um, is very good for just energy and stress support would be the B-complex vitamins, so all the B vitamins, and magnesium is an excellent one as well. So that would be a very basic starting point for improving your energy. Um, One of the things you mentioned as well is that the cholesterol tablet. Now, the cholesterol tablet um, blocks the production of cholesterol in the liver, but the pathway that it stops also makes a very vital um, vitamin called coenzyme Q10. And this is an essential vitamin for our energy pathways. So often, if people um, start feeling tired when they're on the statin, it might be because the statin is now making them deficient in this enzyme CoQ10. So a very simple way of testing that would be to take a supplement of coenzyme Q10 for a month and see did that improve energy. Other things that might be happening if you're deficient in CoQ10 would be that you're getting cramps in your legs, often around the back of the um, shoulders from shoulder to shoulder. Some people feel that, uh, find that their memory is affected, so their short-term memory can be affected. Um, Exhaustion, tiredness, particularly after exertion that normally wouldn't have caused tiredness. So if you used to be fairly fit, but all of a sudden you're getting tired when you climb the stairs, then it could be as a result of the statin. Okay, next question is from uh, Pat in Bantry. I'm on a blood thinner. It's an aspirin type thinner. I, but I must give it up 10 days before an operation. Every morning I put turmeric on my porridge. But I'm wondering, should I give that up as well before the operation or would it make any difference? No, I think it's fine to take it in the food. It's, it'll be a smaller amount. Um, turmeric does thin the blood. So if you're taking a supplement of turmeric, you should stop it uh, probably a couple of weeks before surgery. And the same goes for any fish oils. 
because they will also thin the blood. So just like you'd have to stop an aspirin, um, you'd need to stop those before you go in for any kind of dental surgery or surgery. But I think if you're taking it with food, it's just it would the concentrations wouldn't be high enough to cause any problems. It'll be okay. Hi, I've got a hiatus hernia. I take Lozac, but I'm still suffering a lot. Is there anything Annalise could recommend? Yeah, the hernias are difficult, Patricia. What happens with the hernia is that a part of the stomach protrudes up through the hole in the diaphragm. So Ouch. you can get that sort of, you know, get a very, you know, get a lot of pain, especially after eating. A small tip is that um, is to um, drink a glass of water and stand on the second on the second or third step of the stairs and jump down. And that if if it's kind of gotten stuck, that sometimes can just the weight of, of the when you of the water when you jump can pull it out. Um, it's a difficult one, really, because the problem is caused by that hernia, which is kind of pushing up. But slippery elm is always a very nice one to protect against the effects of acid reflux. Taking it before you eat um, as well, at least five to ten minutes before you eat, it'll coat the whole esophagus um, and the stomach with this kind of mucilage. Um, and again, when the stomach releases acid for digestion, you've got that lovely thick protective coating so the symptoms mightn't be as bad. So you can get it either in capsule form, which you need to take 20 minutes before you eat, or you can take it in powder form, which is a bit gloopy, but much quicker, and you can take that five minutes before you eat. Mary in Mill Street is in her 60s and has fluid in her ear looking for a remedy. She's tried sprays, nothing is any good. And Mary in Ballyduff is looking for anything for tinnitus, so both to do with the ears. So the fluid in the ear, I I don't know, Patricia. Um, I presume that it would eventually have, if it was an ongoing problem, would have to be drawn by a doctor. But um, sometimes ear candling can help uh, with fluid in the ear. Now, ear candling kind of, it's to be honest, it sounds a little bit daunting for people who've never done it before. Basically, what you're doing is you're placing a candle of wax into the ear and you're lighting it and it creates a seal. And it's very good for sucking out anything that's trapped in the ear, like trapped wax or in this case, water. Um, what I would advise is get somebody to help you do it. Because obviously, if you're, um, you know, if you're doing it pro- properly, it'll be very, very safe and your ear will be protected. But if you don't do it properly or if you're trying to do it yourself, maybe the wax might spill and you might get a little bit of a burn. So get somebody to do it for you. You can get ones with a kind of a cone that protects um, the wax from falling, you know, onto your face if you're, if you're not able to stay entirely still. So that would be what I'd recommend for that. And then tinnitus, is a very difficult one because tinnitus, they don't really know what the cause is, but sometimes um, it, it can be, again, to do with inflammation of the inner ear after a virus. Some people will develop it after having kind of vertigo, um, and sometimes it's because the ear has been damaged through over um, exposure to high levels of noise. If it has been a, a more of a viral thing, that hearing support one I, I, I talked about earlier for the vertigo could also help. It's uh, by a company called Nature's Plus and it's called Age Loss Hearing Support. And I've had some good success with that, but I have to say it seems to go better for the people with a ringing noise as opposed to a whooshy noise. So um, give that a go and see how it works. If it hasn't done anything after two months, it's unlikely it's going to work for you. Okay, hi Annalise. Question please. I am going through menopause and I eat a healthy diet and I exercise. I try to stay away from sweet, sugary foods and processed foods. Could Annalise recommend anything that would help to keep the weight down and try and remove excess fat in the body? Something I suppose to speed up the metabolism would be great. Thanking you so much. This is the golden bullet tablet. If you had it, you'd make a fortune, Annalise. A fortune, absolutely. And it is awful for menopause as well because women who never would have had a problem with their weight 
after when they start menopause, the weight just seems to go on and it's so easy to go on and it's so hard to shift. So it's to be honest, there's no magic answer, Patricia. I think that after a certain age, you just have to cut your portion sizes and you will have to go hungry through until you go through that period of adjustment. There are a couple of things that might help. Uh, I think, you know, when all your hormones are in, in, in a bit of flux like that, it's possible that the thyroid hormone also might be, you know, maybe dropping or the thyroid might be slowing down a bit. So it may be no harm to take a kelp supplement just to keep the thyroid up and running. Um, kelp, obviously, is a seaweed and it will be high in iodine. So it's a very natural way of supporting the thyroid gland and that can increase metabolism. Another uh, tip as well is uh, to take a fibre called inulin. Now, inulin is also called a prebiotic. It's the fibre that feeds the good bacteria in our gut. And again, if you've got a lot of healthy bacteria in your gut, that has an effect on weight. In fact, they found that people who are naturally very thin have a much higher population of a certain type of bacteria than others. So healthy gut bacteria will also improve your weight. And the lovely thing about inulin is that it does actually swell up in your stomach and fill you up a bit as well. So if when you're calorie cutting and you're cutting your portion sizes, it can help you feel fuller for longer. It also is great for anybody who's pre-diabetic. It helps to balance your blood sugar by allowing the food to be slowly released from the stomach. So um, that's another tip as well with the inulin. And there, there are some supplements that might increase your fat burning capability, but that's only best taken if you're exercising. And they would be things like green tea or green coffee extract, conjugated linoleic acid is another one that has some science behind it. It's, you'll buy it as CLA in your health shop. CLA are conjugated linoleic acid. Um, and the other one then is Garcinia cambogia. And they all seem to have a bit of a benefit in terms of burning fat um, around the belly. Good luck with it. Hi, Annelise. Have you any snoring remedy that works? Also, you gave the name of a Chinese tonic. What is it and is it good for people who are anemic? So, a Chinese tonic. Mm. Mm, I can't remember that. No, I don't don't either. Ginseng, possibly? Maybe, maybe. Well, ginseng is a great one for an energy boost and an energy kick. Um, There's different types of ginseng and they'll be more suitable depending on what you need it for. So go into your health shop for if you want a tonic with ginseng in it and they'll get you the right one. Um, I think the Source of Life Gold is the one I generally mention and that has got a bit of ginseng in there but there's a whole load of superfoods so it's brilliant to give you a good nutrient boost and also stuff in there for boosting the immune system as well as the ginseng for instant energy boost. So that was the first part. What was the second part of that question, Patricia? Um, the second part of that one was um, snoring. Have you a remedy snoring. for snoring? Now, again, that's also the magic. If you could solve that, you'd be a rich person. Yeah. So I have ha- heard very good reports from customers of mine who are following a method of taping their mouth at night time. So it sounds terrible um, and it sounds like it couldn't possibly work but it seems to have great success. So if you go online to Google and look up the, um, look up, you know, taping your mouth and snoring program, I'm sure some article will come up that will tell you exactly what you need to do. There is a book that you can get and there is some doctor who has kind of pioneered this treatment and I've had amazing feedback from people who had whole life snoring and have now cured themselves and are actually getting a proper solid night's sleep without any sleep apnea or waking themselves up and it basically just involves taping your mouth shut. How fantastic. Yes. A listener has a kidney infection, was prescribed an antibiotic for the doctor 
but is unsure if it's cleared or not. Could Annalise suggest anything? Yeah, I think the best, um, and it's also very good after an antibiotic for kidney infection, to do a combination of D-mannose, which is spelled a capital D, and then mannose, M-A-N-N-O-S-E. This helps prevent the disease, the, the infection-causing bacteria from clinging onto the wall of the urinary tract. So get either a powder or a tablet form of that and also get a probiotic with some cranberry extract in there. So BioCult do one. There's another company that do one called Cranbiotics. And take those three times a day until you feel it's completely cleared. Okay, because it can take a while to clear it up. All right, Annalise, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat again next uh, Monday. That's Annalise Drissel from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. And just to let you know that we put up everything, all of Annalise's information uh, will be available on c103.ie. You just click on the listen back section because certainly of all of these features that we do, Annalise is the one that we get the most callbacks on from people asking what exactly did she say, what did she suggest for this and John Paul would literally be spending his entire day answering calls and trying to pass on the information so the best way is to go to that on c103.ie and click on the listen back section and Leah Corkery who was on to us who was on the radio with us when we were talking about suicide awareness has been on to say she was listening to us talking about donating clothes and she says they're collecting clothes for suicide awareness and they've clothes bins in Cantor, Kilbrin and Drumaham and they're also willing to collect from people the money raised will be given to suicide awareness and will pay for counselling for people in need in the local area. If anybody has clothes and wants them given to a good cause, they will be delighted to take them from you. And she has passed on her number. She also says, and this is important, that their clothes bins are checked daily to ensure that the bins do not overflow and to make sure that there's no rubbish around them. Uh, so a uh, well done. And if anybody knows somebody or is in need of counselling, Leah said she would be delighted to help them and also pay for the counselling for that person there. They're doing great work. She's along with uh, Margaret O'Callaghan when she joined us to talk about World Suicide Awareness Day, which is actually tomorrow. It's the 10th of uh, September. So well done uh, to Leah. So keep a look out for that. Close bins, Canturk, Kilbrin and Drum Aham. Okay, that's where we wrap it up for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We are back with you tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock and a reminder that we've got our competition running right across this week celebrating the McCroom Food Festival that's kicking off from September 19th through to the 22nd and we are giving away the Folans gift packs with new limited edition jams and marmalades and relishes and then a night away in the Castle Park Hotel on Friday. That's why I leave you until tomorrow until then I'm Trish Messner Good afternoon. C103 Anthems <laughs> The biggest songs of all time. C103 Anthems. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Pork's Greatest Hits. C103.